So hi, I'm Ash Tierney and I'm joined by Catherine Miller, who is our student fellow for Global Citizenship, the great theme, one of three, that is within Bristol Futures. And Katie's been working with us for over a year now and her focus has been on mapping, exploring and detailing and making Excel spreadsheets and beautiful graphs um, of our curriculum, looking at over 650 programmes, over 7,500 units I think so. um, across all of our undergraduate degree programmes and checking them out for the theme of global citizenship. So Katie, can you tell us a little bit more about your role? Kind of, we're just trying to see in a numerical form at first, how does global citizenship fit into each kind of unit, program, that sort of thing, kind of the yes or no sort of question. And then now that once I completed that, it turned into faculty reports that we now have that is detailing kind of the strong parts, the weaknesses and all that sort of stuff within global citizenship, as well as researching global citizenship education as a whole. What are other institutions doing? What are other outside bodies such as UNESCO, QAA, Advanced HE um, doing with global citizenship education? And how can we kind of see that in our own institution maybe how could we add those in to our own institution okay so Madhu Krishnan is our theme lead for mm-hmm. the whole institution for the theme of yeah. citizenship so it's really her guidance her direction that we're following with all mm-hmm. of these activities um, so when you were given the task originally of working on the curriculum development what were the first steps of the method of doing that? How do you capture that? How do you, what data do you find? Do you talk to people? Do you use different data sets? What's the way that we chose and why do we choose that over other methods? Um, I started off doing research, basically, what is global citizenship education? I felt that bad being hired, being like, we're going to do this. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. So I basically did a lot of desk research. So looking into articles, looking into, you know, big report documents and things like that and understanding what does global citizenship mean and what are the different aspects of it. And then I kind of took all that research and turned it into Ash and I turned it into Madhu and things like that and got their opinions and we kind of broke down kind of the main we came up with nine sub themes um, that we would like to see in our curriculum and wanted to see where it all fits in so I think taking it from a research what is out there to what do we want to see kind of funneling it down okay and so you had those uh, those definitions of sub themes of what global citizenship can mean in various contexts and then you kind of went okay how what's the next step how do I look at this within the curriculum? So what was your next step? So our next step was kind of looking at unit descriptions because I know we've done that, you've done that in the past with ESD and things like that and kind of modeled this project after that one, kind of taking the same phase of getting the unit information from the unit number to the unit title to the year to whether it was mandatory optional as well as the description because that's where we kind of classified our different um, kind of classifications of where do we see the sub-theme is based off the unit description. Is there international references, aka are there unit, is with like in this unit, is there uh, different scholars from all over talking about different topics? Is there transnational as well being, or can we see other cultures being represented or talked about within courses? Okay, so you mentioned the ESD review that I did in the past, that was the Education for Sustainable Development review that we did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And within that, we looked at the unit and program catalogue, and we looked unit by unit to see whether or not it contained uh, education for sustainable development defined under four different criteria from environmental to uh, political to um, 
did I say environmental already? Yeah, Economic so. and sociocultural. And we had those four criteria. So you were given something where you had to look for not four criteria, but nine <laughs> criteria, yeah. which made it a much more in-depth and more difficult yeah. uh, piece of research to do. And you also, my review, looked at the things in terms of unit by unit basis. Mm-hmm. And your review, I kind of learned from my own process and, and realised, you know, we really do need to look at things from a programme um, aspect. So that gave you an extra complicated step with handling the data and extracting the data in particular ways. Um, but you mentioned the optional mandatory. Why was that important? I think we took it as important because we wanted to see what are students having to kind of experience with that mandatory. Like in any program, there's going to be the mandatory units, which every student has to take. So that kind of data represents that all the students within a particular program will be experiencing this versus the optional, which are units they could take, they might take. So it is good to look at it because if a student does take it, where is that being impacted? As well as which units are mandatory where and where they're not could also have an impact on the data and what we could see the students possibly interacting with and things like that. Okay, so um, for me, it was very rewarding to take some of the learning from a big piece of work I did a few years ago and mm-hmm. really adapt it to a new context yeah. and use that data in a new way. So we were able to kind of really understand by looking at the mandatory units what every single student within a given program's experience is going to be in relation to this theme. Mm-hmm. And then within the optional units to kind of unpick, to tease out, is most of our global citizenship theme in the optional units or in the mandatory or spread in both? Mm-hmm. And I think if we're to look at it, on the whole, it tends to be the majority of our thematic engagement, whether it be the review that you did in global mm-hmm. citizenship or the review that I did on sustainable development, there actually tend to be uh, more engagement with them on an optional basis yeah. rather than a mandatory basis. And it really gives us a question for our institution, mm-hmm. why is it these thematic engagements are within the optional? Um, yeah. We can also look at a tendency, not completely, but a tendency towards this material being in later years. Yeah, That to me makes sense because you spend the first couple of years normally learning uh, mm-hmm. the hard facts, the how-tos yeah. about your discipline. And it's in later years that you tend to apply that knowledge yeah. in a variety of contexts. So we would expect that to be stronger mm-hmm. um, when you're thinking about applying in global contexts, applying in sustainability yeah. and big problem-based learning activities and so on. So this isn't unsurprising, mm-hmm. but I think it is. it does give us something as an institution to think about. Why is yeah. it we have a tendency to put this material in our optional units and not in our core units? Yeah, because I think, especially for me, who's coming from like the you know United States context where we have to take not only our core degree program, but we're also forced to take, forced, that's quite strong, but we get to take other courses and other disciplines where we might be experiencing things kind of outside our own realm. Um, And kind of, I always like to call it, they like to create us as well-rounded individuals and well-rounded to kind of make us more adaptable to the global market and to the job market and things like that. So I think it was very interesting seeing how each program, how many mandatory units there were versus how many optional, because in some programs, all first year, all of second year, and all of third year are mandatory. And there are only about 10 units within it. But then other op- other programs could be first year's mandatory, and then second year you have like three mandatory courses, but then you have all kinds of optional courses. So it's kind of trying to see that balance of 
well, where is global citizenship within the optional? And are students actually experiencing that? And like, if it's all mandatory, are they really experiencing that? Like I think the like looking at the difference between the School of Arts versus the School of Aerospace Engineering are really, really interesting. And it comes from that dynamic of the mandatory versus optional. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration when looking at what is the student's experience with global citizenship education? Because although it may be there, they might not get, you know, always get the option Option to experience it because it is in that optional versus those mandatory units. Mm. So we're looking at something where you have a very different student experience depending on what faculty or indeed what school they're in. Absolutely. And then you've also got the extra complication of those um, programs that have external accreditation requirements. Mm -hmm. And what level of flexibility or non-flexibility do we have? What are the assumptions that we take forward with that? I've heard arguments where some people are saying actually we can't do certain things within our degree programs because of the accreditation. Mm -hmm. Whereas others have said actually the accredited bodies are quite flexible on these on these topics so it gives us more questions to ask and we can go there what I quite like about the review that I did and the review that you've done is when we are looking through these programs and we're looking through the descriptions that have been created by unit directors program directors within a given school and we're conducting this review using that particular data set when we go out and talk to them mm-hmm. and my colleagues are going to be doing a lot of um, these discussions using yeah. your very helpful data we're able to talk to them in the terms and um, the terms of reference yeah. um, using words from their units. Yeah, so absolutely. we're not taking the um, higher education or the global lingua franca of what global citizenship yeah. is um, and taking those definitions which might be quite alien to some to mm-hmm. some subjects. But we're going in there and saying this is what you're saying is happening in your yeah. units and your programs. We're referring to things in the phrases and terms uh, words that you use yeah. so it resonates more with you and we're already showing you that actually you're already engaging with this because I think there's pretty much no program as far as I can remember yeah. that doesn't have the theme of global citizenship in at in least one way. of the sub themes that's like the most exciting thing I think we learned from this is that in some form or some facet out of the nine sub themes that we've created each program each unit each something should have at least one and I think that speaks volumes to University of Bristol and I think these sorts of re- like reports these sorts of investigations are so helpful and so necessary and should be done I think everywhere whether it's with global citizenship or you know sustainable futures or innovation enterprise because it shows just how the strengths and the weaknesses and I think I tried to do that with the conclusion documents is showing hey each faculty on its own here's your strengths here are your weaknesses and discuss it and showing examples of how other programs and units within a faculty have utilized that and how it can be you know, translated and taken out and disseminated. Because I think, although the unit description is great to examine, and through a lot of my reading, I think it'd be interesting how maybe staff and student interviews would be interesting Mm. to add in as well to this sort of research. Because the unit description only tells you so much, you know. Whereas I think if we brought it sometimes to faculty, I get kind of nervous because I don't want anyone to be like, well, of course I have this in it, you know. Why isn't it being counted? Of course I do this. Well, it's like, well, it's not in the unit description, and I think that's something we'll have to highlight later on. But I think, yeah, it is so impressive that as an institution, there is global citizenship here, and I'm glad that we're kind of taking the time to recognize it, and I've been so fortunate to be a part of that as well. So I think it's interesting what you noted about um, the expectations around what we might encounter. I think we were both surprised 
the, at the level of global citizenship mm-hmm. that exists within um, all of the programmes. And I think a lot of academics will be very surprised as well institutionally and compared to other institutions, I think they'll be surprised. Um, so other institutions have um, have used various methods to review their curricula with greater or lesser success. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them have used um, word searches. What would you say is the pro or con around word searches for uh, in, in terms of the method? Because I think that we need to critique our own method, yeah. which we will in a moment, but I wanted to kind of... The yeah. common, common form of review is often keyword. Yeah, so I think it, it, the, one of the big pros is it kind of probably saves a bit of time. If you're looking for specific things, you can just boom, 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 and there it is, and it gives you all the options. The only con is, is with the nine definitions, you have to kind of read, at least in our review, you kind of have to read into the the kind of context of these definitions. So if we just were like transnationalism, that would probably only show up in about a third of the pro, like a third of the units, or not even a third, maybe less than that. But if you read into the unit description, you can see, oh, we talk about cultures, we talk about, nat- you know, other, you know, the the idea of kind of transnationalism in its kind of not with the direct word. I don't know how to describe well, it's it. It's the context. Yeah, the context. You're con- reading a paragraph or two paragraphs of text and you're using your human eye over it. Yeah. And you kind of realize that this reads as transnationalism, even if they haven't used, the used war. that word. Yeah. And in that way, we're capturing that, that essential experience and mm-hmm. existence of that fact without needing to do a keyword search. And I yeah. think that's the kind of the basic premise on which we wanted to target this. And we knew mm-hmm. that it would take longer than a keyword search. Yeah. You also, for keyword searches, have to know every single possible word that could be used right That's something. the thing, and yeah. that's not how it works. So I wanted to highlight some of the uh, the difficulties and critiques around our own review mm-hmm. and talk a, come back to your point a little bit about how we use this to engage with academics afterwards and how yeah. we quantify this. So with the um, with the critique, I mean, we're looking, we're using data from the, our unit and program catalogue, which is freely accessible outside the mm-hmm. university for the data that we were using. Um, so anyone can look at this data, it's not secret. And we're looking at descriptions that are written by people who are um, describing their unit, an overview of their unit. They had no intention of writing this, so it yeah. read well for someone doing this mm-hmm. piece of work that we're doing. And so we would not expect um, the data set that we're using to be perfectly suited to this activity um, but it's meant to be indicative so it's not meant to say this is the world's greatest piece of um, perfectly accurate review it's using a particular data set but one that we had access to freely one that we didn't need to wait on other people to access yeah um, and one that was methodologically at least consistent if Mm -hmm. inherently flawed and so if the unit doesn't say that it contains global citizenship or in my case, sustainable uh, futures, when that would be an ethos or a theme that the unit director would like it to resonate with, mm-hmm. then you know we can ask the question, well, why doesn't it say that? Yeah. If it is important, if it is an integral part of it, um, well, you could just adapt your, your unit yeah. description if it is important. But if it's not important, then let's not try and... Absolutely. You know, change Pencil things. it in and change it about. Because I think that's the thing. This is a perfect thing to kind of use for a baseline keyword, baseline mm-hmm. report and baseline investigation. Because we want to see where are we starting from? Because this sort of stuff, we've done it with ESD before, but we haven't done it with global citizenship yet. So I think this is perfect to start off with like, what is our baseline? What are we working with? 
And like we've discussed before, not every program, not every unit is going to be able to fulfill the nine sub themes. Like that's just... And nor should it. And nor should it. Because that just would be, first of all, far too much to try and teach and involve in what poor in like one unit. But like, where can we strengthen things where we need to? Like forward thinking, I feel like should be included in most of our units. And it is in some of them, but there's others that I'm like, this could easily be added in or things could be easily added in here if it already is included um, or could be added in. But I think that the strengths of this study are to say this is as far as unit and program directors, academics and um, schools are saying is happening in, this, on, in their curriculum. This is what they're saying is happening and if it's not saying what you think it should be saying then go and change it or if it's saying exactly what you want it to say then we know where we stand. Yeah. And it is really just understanding where where are we right now? Where, what is the best way to kind of get an indication? Mm-hmm. Are we um, treating global citizenship as you know something that's in one or two programs here and there, mm-hmm. or is it actually quite prolifically embedded within our degrees? Right. And actually, we're seeing the latter rather than the former. And mm-hmm. um, I think that will be a surprising fact to many people. When I did the ESD review, and I, I used a different method, so we won't blanket kind of compare yeah. our data sets um, compared to the higher education sector our detailed review of looking Mm -hmm. at those unit descriptions meant that in the end this baseline that we did um, had a much higher incidence of ESD than other institutions. Other institutions using different methods um, were coming up at anywhere between 10 and 20 percent of their units Mm -hmm. at ESD. Our cursory baseline review of ESD showed 30% on average for the mm-hmm. whole institution. And I think you'd probably come up with a higher one again for global yeah. citizenship. And, you know, lots of people were saying to me, well, you know, how much of that, how much of the unit or the program mm-hmm. is is ESD? And we were saying, well, actually, we, given the data sets that we have, we, we can't tell you that. So yeah. if someone says that they address the topic of transnationalism within your um, given program or degree, I can't tell you within a unit if that was one lecture or every single lecture of the mm-hmm. program. And so there is that inherent flaw and we recognise that. Yeah. Um, but that's where your your point from earlier comes in around how we engage with academics. So that was one of the things that we did after we did the ESD review. We uh, went to speak to a team who happened to be in the arts faculty mm-hmm. who had just done a really detailed program by program, unit by unit review. Mm-hmm. Everything, all the data was really fresh in their heads. And so we sat them down and we said, here's here's our estimation of what's happening mm-hmm. in your faculty. It would be really great if you could spend a little bit of time, um, if you have a chance, we didn't yeah. demand it, um, to look through and see, like, are we on the right wavelength with this? Right. Um, is there anything that we need to correct or add? And what we got back from that review um, was that all the stuff that we have identified as having ESD, Mm. they agreed with us. Yeah. That's actually, that's really, really fair. There's lots of units, however, that we know about Mm -hmm. um, and we know that they don't say it in the description, but we know that they do resonate with ESD. And so they went through and kind of looked at all the blank spaces and went, oh, we can add a bit more. And we had a lot more interaction from them. And we went from having... Uh, you know, off the top of my head, around thirty-five percent on average mm-hmm. ESD within units. To after their review mm-hmm. and their correction of our data, review of our data. Yeah. Um, so we had that external check, mm-hmm. and then them adding in their own data. There was two academics involved. Um, it went up to an average sixty-seven percent, which is that's an amazing. Enormous jump. That's amazing. And I thought, if that's even remotely indicative of what's happening. 
across the institution that would be really valuable to look yeah. at but again that was that was someone where we had a pre-existing relationship with we were in very right. good terms with personally and they had just gone in and done the right type of work at the right time mm-hmm. and were very receptive to us and right. gave us that time um whereas it would be very difficult if you look at the scale of our institution mm-hmm. um uh, that was one of the reasons why we didn't do this review from the academic starting point no of course because we knew that if we tried to do that we would get a lot of people who would help us but we wouldn't have that consistency we wouldn't be able to look at it from an institutional point of view and so we went with the slightly flawed method to begin Mm -hmm. with but give us a good indication yeah and then afterwards went in for um that engaged review yeah and i think that's exactly what we'll be doing next i hope with so your data. yeah we've already got the meetings booked up yes yes, um, yes but it really it really just gives them something um to get their teeth yeah in and see what we're talking about and i think there's a lot of value in that work um just kind of this is the baseline give us a sense check yeah correct us if we're wrong because we're happy to be told no absolutely wrong. yeah um and so i think being very upfront about the limitations of the data is really yeah. important with these things because, so important um otherwise it becomes disingenuous yeah if you say this is the absolute fact it's not it's no fact. i think that's the thing is like you don't want anything in this sort of thing to be absolute fact because you want to always be changing you want to either be hopefully improving for you know future kind of unit you know preservation or unit development and things like that so i think yeah i don't understand like i've always had the mindset of like you it's an experiment Mm -hmm. you have you have to change your methodology you have to adapt it so i'm hoping like we've done with your stuff is also with ours is we have this baseline now where can we improve where can we kind of fill in the gaps that sort of stuff and hopefully people will be receptive to it and be open to it and it seems like they already are and we can even start using this beyond just unit development and things like that how could we you know, use it with student inclusion like we've started doing and, you know, how can we get the students maybe involved in global citizenship education? I like the word baseline for this because this is just, I feel like, I hope is just the beginning of the start of it, you know, and I can, I would love to see where it goes and how can we get faculty involved? How can we get students involved? How we can get Bristol Futures and built and all that stuff involved with this sort of stuff? Because we have a lot, I think we have a lot more global citizenship stuff here in Bristol that we're just now tapping into, which is I think a lot of universities are starting to tap into with all the kind of movement from, you know, ESD now into ESD GC and kind of morphing into this kind of interesting relationship between the two. Mm. So you mentioned ESD GC, which mm-hmm. for everyone else was education, oh, yeah. <laughs> education for Sustainable Development Global Citizenship. Yeah. Because historically, a lot of global citizenship has been absorbed within mm-hmm. Education for Sustainable Development, which is the frame of reference that UNESCO used um, mm-hmm. before it started using SDGs, which are mm-hmm. Sustainable Development Goals, of which there are 17. They're pretty cool. Check them out. It's got a great chart. <laughs> Very pretty pictures. <laughs> and there's lots of global initiatives on this. There's the Global Action Program, mm-hmm. like the GAP commitment. Um, we've got different types of um, sector-wide, the EAUC commitments and institutional commitments to sustainable development mm-hmm. and to global citizenship as well. It's a really timely theme given all the conversations that are happening around um, migration and um, yeah. immigration issues that are happening right now yeah. with Brexit as well. And I think there's a lot of interest 
from different sectors, from private sectors. There's lots of demand and interest from our students. Yeah. So this isn't something that's just some sort of bolt-on. It is, it's something that's really fundamental to who we are and what we do as an institution and especially how we sit as a civic institution um, what our position is within the city Mm -hmm. and how we relate to the wider higher education sector in the UK and indeed what our position is globally because we're an institution who conducts research globally Mm -hmm. and we're a research-led teaching institution. That's the thing. I think it's so important. I think through all my reading that I've done of global citizenship education and things like that and looking into other higher institutions um, and even my own experience at Bristol is we're not only just thinking about our research and our academic and our teachings as just how can we fit in our own little bubble is how can we outreach and even like funding bodies um, are starting to look at how can we make impact globally like the global market is a huge I think buzzword right now for a lot of institutions is how can we make our students not only great within their field but then also marketable to other countries and other places and other facets because we're no longer you study one thing you learn one type of thing and that's what you do for the rest of your career you have to market yourself as someone who can do everything. Temple quarter kind of division that we're starting to develop right now. That's all about kind of, you know, the global and the global, which is kind of creating your own kind of civic relationship and global citizenship relationship with your local communities and kind of creating that bridge between the community and the students and the research and even wider to the kind of global sphere of research. So I think there's a huge amount of uh, things to be talking about within the theme of global citizenship. Um, But within this particular context and this conversation where we're talking really about the data review that you've been doing, Mm -hmm. I think we can, you know, ask our audience uh, who might be listening now, if you are one of the academics within the institution and you want to talk to us about global citizenship, um, you want to look at some of the data that we've um, looked at within a programme um, or a unit that you're running, come and talk to us. You know, we want mm-hmm. those conversations to happen. We want to be sharing our data. We want you to have a look at it. We've made it all pretty now. Yeah, um, great graphs. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> and you can look into the detail of those um, and you can see, you know, how we can help you develop your programmes in yeah. the direction that you want to go in and use this information um, to inform the decisions that you want to make in a way that suits your discipline, your subject, your unit, your programme. This mm-hmm. is not about us telling you what to do but giving the tools to make the decisions for yourself yeah because this is ultimately a huge discussion this is not just oh here's the research this is what it is and that's the end we want to have a discussion with everyone at the institution from staff members to faculty and all sorts of things to kind of fuel and propel this for more than just a couple of numbers and a couple of check boxes here and there and i think for me as well it's important to note that this is an example of the power of our students. You are one of our PhD students at the institution yep. and you've been working with us for over a year part time mm-hmm. and you've done this huge amount, colossal amount of work and going outside your subject background in art yeah. and really looking at subjects across the whole institution, getting that sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think it's valuable for us to note and to thank you um, <laughs> as a student for thank working on you know a really big central yeah. strategic project and making something that's going to be meaningful yeah. for our colleagues around the this whole is, institution. This has definitely become a passion project of mine. I can't, I bring it up at every chance I can bring. I'm just like, do you know about global citizenship education? All my friends are sick of it. They're like, yes, you talk about this all the time. Can you not? But that passion is great to see. It's amazing. And I think it, it 
it kind of shows in the level of detail and mm. the hard work that's gone into the review. Yeah. And I think when people have a look at it and look at the robustness of the data and the way that it's um, been worked through, mm-hmm. they can really see the value of it. Because it's yeah. say, we're having a conversation about it, but it's actually really hard to talk about I know. without seeing it. So come talk to us. Yes. Come and have a look at it. They have all kinds of reports. <laughs> so many reports you can look at. We have program reports. We have mandatory reports. We have everything. Yeah. Come and talk to us. Thank you very much. Thank you to Katie. Thanks. Bye. Bye.